Well, good morning, everyone. We are so glad you're uh, with us this morning on this online platform. Uh, My name is Pastor Brian, and with me is Pastor Milo over here. Pastor Mario is upstairs in the booth. He's helping us make sure everything's going smooth here this morning. But we want to particularly uh, greet you this morning. Welcome uh, to our service this morning. Uh, It's Palm Sunday, and so we recognize that. We recognize that this is a very different Palm Sunday than you've probably ever experienced before. So uh, usually we have our kids uh, around uh, the service uh, waving palm branches. Obviously that's not going to happen today, so maybe if you've got kids at home, uh, look for a house plant in your your house. Uh, Grab a a piece of uh, of whatever you have and let them them wave that around this morning. But uh, uh, again, uh, welcome to Randall Church as we, uh, as we worship together uh, in, a, in a virtual space. So we're, we're so glad you're here this morning. A couple of things that we wanted to point out just as we uh, get going here uh, this morning. This is an online pl- uh, platform, as you know, and so we've designed this. Uh, we really hope that this will be interactive. We would love, we see already uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of you commenting. We asked an opening question uh, already about uh, what is the hardest secret you've ever kept, and some of you have answered, some of you uh, uh, have not answered because uh, you don't want to uh, spoil the secret. So good if you catch that. But this is a way that we can be interacting with you throughout uh, throughout the service. So continue to uh, continue to write things, continue to comment as we dialogue and ask if you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you've got thoughts. Uh, we have this live uh, right here uh, at our table. We'll be monitoring that and uh, interacting with you as well. The other thing we wanted to point out is that we're going to celebrate communion at the end of our service today. And obviously we know that that is uh, going to look a lot different today. Um, You might not have everything that traditionally uh, is needed for communion, but that's not going to stop us. And we told you in our email today, uh, uh, this week, we we didn't want you going to uh, get extra uh, stuff at the store. And so we just invited you to find whatever you have uh, in your house, in your fridge that you can use. We'll show you what we're using today. Uh, we're using uh, some Ritz crackers. This is what we found. Uh, we've got some apple juice here as well. And so this is what we're going to be using for our communion time. So if you haven't gotten that ready yet, uh, I'd invite you now to start preparing for that so that you can join us uh, at the end of the service uh, for communion this morning. So grab what you can, and the Lord uh, will honor uh, our hearts in that. So we would invite you to do that as well. We're actually tackling the very last portion of Philippians today. We've been in Philippians for six or seven weeks now, and we are going to be uh, jumping in and uh, looking at this last uh, part. And specifically what we're going to look at today, as you can see on the screen, uh, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13 uh, specifically here today. And if you're interested in looking at that very last section, the sections that we're not going to be addressing today, we actually have a study up at our website, randallchurch.org. If you go to the media section there, uh, you will find a uh, you'll find a section called studies and if you find Philippians there'll be one there called good works and that looks at kind of the uh, first chapter and this last uh, chapter as it talks about partnership financial partnership in the gospel so if you're interested in diving a little deeper on that last section please go to our website find that uh, find that study and you can see all of that from there so if you have your Bibles I'd want to invite you to open up the book of Philippians chapter 4 Uh, We'll be starting in verse 10 here uh, uh, as we read it. And if you know me, as uh, every time I start a message, I have everyone in the congregation stand and recite a little prayer. It's a little prayer called Shema. It comes out of Deuteronomy 6. Uh, This is something that um, uh, Hebrews, the the Jewish people, would do all the time in order to help kind of reinforce the fact that they're hearing the very 
words of God. And so as they recite this prayer, what they're saying is we recommit our whole selves to you and we eagerly anticipate that God is going to be speaking to us right now through his word. So it's a way to just kind of break up uh, the everyday nature of our lives and to say something special is about to happen so, because we're going to hear from God. So I'd invite you right now, I know it might feel weird in your living room, but I invite you now to stand. Uh, this is one thing they did as they stood in order, to, um, in order to do that, in order to kind of recognize that these are God's words and not ours. So we're going to stand as we hear the words. Uh, and then uh, say after me, we'll put the words on the screen as well, but say it uh, after me. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. The Lord alone. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your soul. And with all your might. With all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Amen. These are the very words of God. Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, Mile, can I, uh, can I admit something to you? Uh, when I first read this passage, particularly with everything that's going on right now, it, it, it struck me at the beginning as almost a little annoying uh, because he says, like, it feels like Paul is, like, dangling this carrot in front of us. He says, I, I've got this secret of contentment. And, and we know, with, again, with everything that's going on, uh, it's just really annoying when somebody uh, feels like they've got it kind of all together. I don't know, what, what was your thoughts as you kind of read this passage for the first time? Yeah, when you first look at this passage, you say, I've got this secret. I mean, that's part of why we kind of jokingly ask that icebreaker yeah. question at the beginning of, of what's the best secret you've ever kept. And basically, as we scroll through here, very few of you wanted to even answer that question <laughs> right. yeah. of this idea of the secret. But um, yeah, it kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, I remember in the early 2000s, again, any of you young people out there watching, you barely even know who Oprah Winfrey is. But there was an author who came on Oprah's show, Rhonda Byrne was her name, and she had a book by that title, The Secret. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was this is what all people uh, could be living by if they just knew the secret to life. And, and the basics of that book were that uh, if you visualize good things happening, then they will happen. Mm -hmm. And, and th it's a misleading idea, right? Sure. Like, yeah. oh, that per oh, you have the secret. Oh, the rest of us have missed that all along. And, and really, that book sold millions. Mm -hmm. I mean, like 30 million, made 300 million or something for Oprah and for this author and, and did really well because there is something there that having a positive outlook on life yep. was helpful, but it's, it's a limited viewpoint because right. ultimately, uh, if you look at that life through that lens, mm -hmm. what do you do about the, the fact that people are born in the slums mm -hmm. in Haiti? You know, like right. there is no level of positive thinking that gets you out of that situation Absolutely. and like the, the secret that comes with that. Yeah. And then maybe in a more modern context, I was looking at some of the things that I enjoy watching or, mm -hmm. or paying attention to or 
uh, social media just does this to us is it, it builds this really glamorous picture of some things. And so uh, some of the hashtags that I pay attention to is like tiny house living or uh, van life is another one where people have these houses that are like 100 square feet or less. And it's just these really amazing homes. And if you look at social media, it looks really, really great. Like they have found the secret. They don't have to uh, pay as much in utility costs. They're free. They're adventurous. They found the secret. <laughs> yeah. But what's really beneath the thing is it's not such a secret that life is pretty miserable if you're living on top of each other mm -hmm. in that kind of confined space. And so uh, social media will do that sometimes where it just really pushes everything into one uh, kind of paradigm. Yeah. And so, yeah, the secret, the idea right. of the secret is still right. throws us and, off. And the idea of, or, or having that friend, I don't know if any of you out there, you can comment and let us know, do you have that friend like on social media that just everything they do just seems perfect, right? Like all their photos are filtered perfectly yeah. and there's never a problem and they're blessed all the time. And you just, when you hit that person, you just kind of go, ugh, and you, you want to scroll past them just because they feel like they've got everything figured out right there. They've got pictures up that are always perfect or they're just kind of humble bragging, right? They're like, oh, you know, today's going to be really hard because I had to go to three of my kids like awards this week, right? And you're just like... <laughs> Okay, right? And it's just like, uh, do you have anyone like this where they, they just feel like they have the secret of contentment and, and you're just left going, um, could you let me in on the secret? Or you go, I'm calling your bluff here. There's just like no way that you, you get that, right? And I feel like that sometimes, we, uh, particularly the one line Paul writes, he goes, I've learned the secret of contentment. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, uh, well, are you going to let us in on this, Paul? Like, right. uh, congratulations. Like, I, I get it. But again, particularly in these times... If you're going through a rough, rough, uh, rough patch, yeah. um, this can actually rub you the wrong way, uh, if, you, if you will. Yeah. Well, particularly if that person seems like they've got it all together, it seems that everything is perfect and they've got the secret that they're holding supposedly right. to that, um, particularly when things are difficult, mm -hmm. right? Particularly mm -hmm. when things, uh, right now, across the board, there's a number of us going through difficult situations yeah. uh, with, with kids in the home and everything else. And if it appears as though someone else has the secret and it's really easy for them, mm -hmm. um, that's particularly hard to handle. Um, and then at the same time, what we are dealing with in our part of Western New York is nothing compared to what people are dealing with around the right. country. Right. And so if we're foolish enough to start saying things like that of, listen, I've got the secret. This is how you deal with the coronavirus without really understanding yeah. what's going on. So, yeah, what's, what's Paul talking about? If he's saying, I've got the secret, what's his secret? Yeah, so like we said, some of you have lost jobs this week. And some of you don't know tomorrow if it's your last. And some of you have seen uh, some of your investments absolutely take, uh, take a dive. Some of you have had important life moments be canceled. Uh, some of you have children that are medically vulnerable. And some of you work in healthcare or hospitals. And every day you go into work and you, you don't know What's it, what it's going to look like. And some of you haven't left your house in days or weeks, right? And you're happy that this is a one-way video and not a two-way video, right? You're, you're perfectly happy sitting uh, in, at home because you have not left. Uh, and uh, grooming becomes less and less important as the days, <laughs> as the days go on. So you're, you're perfectly happy with this medium, right? 
So we have these things. And so it's amazing that God has brought us to this idea of contentment right here. And we've talked about this in our virtual group. That we, I, we feel like Philippians, when we first started Philippians, we actually were going in a totally different uh, direction with it. This is why we called the whole series Mission Together. is because we were going to focus a lot more on the financial partnership stuff and things like that. But as God has directed us uh, through this time, Philippians has actually become a perfect letter for speaking about some of the things that are going on right now. So how do we find contentment in the midst of what's going on here? Uh, so what I want to do, I want to draw your attention uh, just to that word to begin with. You know I like words. So uh, the word content in the Greek is archaeo, okay? And what it means literally, it means to be possessed of unfailing strength. To be possessed of unfailing strength, or number two, to defend or to ward off. Now you might be like, all right, well, how does that how does that work with the idea? I, I know what contentment means, uh, but how does that actually uh, play into this literal definition? Well, here's the idea. The idea is that when opposition comes, when what is the source of your strength to defend yourself? When op- when opposition comes, do you have the strength to ward it off? Right? Contentment then it becomes sort of the process the unfa- of the unfailing strength to ward off any difficult situation. When you have contentment, it means you have the strength to be able to ward off any difficult situation and be able to sort of live in that kind of zen uh, that uh, we tep- typically think of when we talk about contentment, sort of this zen state in which nothing's going to kind of bother me because I have this strength inside, this inner strength, unfailing strength to ward off or to defend anything uh, that comes with me. So now the question of this contentment, though, when, we, when Paul uses this word, which is one of the only times he uses the word, in, again, in all of, all of his letters. So when he uses this word, he's talking about something very specific here. And the idea is, is that this concept of contentment as a whole back in, back, back in the first century was a, a major theme uh, of topic. It was actually a very relevant discussion in the first century. And so what we want to talk about this morning is the concept of Stoicism. Stoicism was this philosophy that had its heyday right when Philippians was written. It's a, it was a popular uh, approach, an ancient Greco-Roman approach to life called Stoicism. Now, it was actually a major school of philosophy as well. It was founded by a man named Zeno of Cyprus in the early 3rd century BC and then lasted all the way until the 3rd century AD. And so when you look at Philippians, which was written about 60, 70, 80, it's right in the middle of, this, of the heyday of this, of this whole philosophy, this whole approach to life. So there's this big approach to life into the, so we actually, this word actually has survived. We use this word uh, in our everyday lives. We call someone a stoic, like, oh, you're, or you're being very stoic. And what they mean is, is somebody who can remain calm and can kind of remain unaffected even when the circumstances around them uh, are going crazy. That this, if someone's being very stoic, right, they're being very calm, they're not letting their emotions get to them, they're just uh, kind of resting uh, in some sort of inner strength like we talked about, some sort of inner strength that they, they have. And so there was this big debate in the first century about how you get this contentment. And stoicism was one of the leading ways that people answered this question. And so I want to give you just three basic hallmarks. Obviously, Stoicism is a huge topic. There are multiple uh, uh, books and volumes and classes that can be taken on this. But if I, if I try, and I tried to do this, boil it down to three major points. Uh, this is what I would say with Stoicism. The number one is this. 
The main idea for a Stoic, uh, uh, this philosophical idea back in the first century, the main idea was that virtue is the only good, that you can find contentment as you pursue virtue. That in that way, contentment comes when I focus on the good, work together, and treat others justly. Contentment comes when I focus on the good, work together, and treat others justly. You see, Stoicism believed that the world was logical in nature, that it was a web of reason built on cause and effect. So if you do something bad, something bad will happen to you. If you do something good, something good will happen. They had sort of this uh, karma kind of approach to it. And so for them, Stoicism, they said that virtue is the only good. If you can live a life of virtue, if you can live a life that focuses on good, focuses on working together, focuses on treating others justly, well then, then you will find uh, contentment in your life. That's number one. Number two says this, through putting your inner life in tune with the universe. So again, it's this idea of how do I tap into this logical universe, this web of rationalization, if I can tap into that and kind of rise above my circumstances, then I can withstand anything. If I can rise above, if I can use my mind and rationalize why bad things are happening to me, I can actually rise above it and not let this bad circumstance affect me. And so one way you could say is pain is merely a perception. If you're experiencing suffering or pain in your life, uh, the, the degree in which you will feel it is the degree in which you haven't been able to rationalize it and haven't been able to be able to rise above. So it's really a mental game of being able to say, I'm going to rise above these hard times and kind of be able to, to, to uh, think through it so that I can process it well in order for it not to let me affect me. It's actually a bit of an emotional distancing. I'm going to emotionally uh, kind of detach from the world around me and try to kind of float above in the clouds. And if I can do that, then everything will be good. Uh, one of, of its find, founders, Epictetus, uh, he wrote this. He said, we suffer not from the events in our lives, but from our judgments about them. Think about that. We suffer not from the event. It's not the actual event that you will suffer from, but it's about your judgment about them. And if you can just rise above that, then you can, you can live in that contentment phase because you, just, you, don't, you don't let those things affect you. Pain is merely a perception. And here's the final one I wanted to point out to you. Uh, the path to, com- uh, to contentment, they said, is found in accepting the moment in the present. It's sort of this like, I'm going to live this day by day. I'm, I'm going to live in the present. I can't worry about the future. I can't worry about what I, I don't even get to really determine a lot of that. And so if I just live in the moment, if I accept the moment in the present, I'm going to be much happier and much more content than thinking past today. And so it's sort of this like, you know, live free, you know, live free right now, uh, eat, drink, and be merry. If tomorrow we die, whatever, we're going we're gonna to do that right now. So Stoicism is this philosophy that, that lived on and was formally uh, a philosophical uh, idea up until about, like we said, the third century. But its principles actually live on today. This was a Western way of thinking. We live in a Western society. So a lot of these Stoic principles have continued on today. And a lot of our Western ethics, a lot of our self, self-help, a lot of our uh, coping strategies that we've developed as a, as a nation and as a Western world all come from under this. And what's interesting, Milo, is that 
I'm seeing, and maybe you're seeing a little of this too, I'm seeing these exact same principles play out as people cope with COVID-19. These exact same things are are the same uh, phrases, the same words, the same responses that we see all the way back to the first century. So when you talk about the Bible not being relevant today, eh, that's not right. Uh, These are the exact same things that we're we're using, the same philosophical principles we use to convince ourselves everything is okay. Let me give you a couple, right? Virtue is the only good. I don't know about you if you've seen the news, but they like to highlight the good things people are doing. You see people riding around uh, doing parades. You see, I saw a a, a video uh, uh, last week from John Krasinski, who's the guy from The Office, and he did a whole news show about the good in life. And he wanted just to highlight all the good that's happening. And this is something, or people are volunteering, people are waiting at hospitals and clapping and applauding nurses as they walk up. You see a lot of this stuff. And what it is, it's a coping mechanism. It's a stoic idea that says, if I focus on the good and do good, I can find some contentment even with all the waves that are going on, uh, going on around me. It's, it's a classic stoic response to trouble and pain. Or, or think of or this one. There's, there's other ones. Pain is merely a perception, right? When we emotionally distance ourselves and we rationalize this out, I'm going to convince myself that everything is okay. Maybe you've seen the meme, the keep calm and drink coffee, right? Or keep calm and do something else. This is, if you really strip it down, this is another stoic philosophy that says if you can just rationalize it and, and help kind of rise above your, your insecurity about this, you can deal with it. And, and we see this a lot uh, as well. And uh, finally, uh, the take it day by day approach, live in the moment approach, right? Like, listen, we just one step ahead. You know, that's all we can do. I get too uh, uh, crazy if I think about what's going to happen a month from now or two months from now, or is school going to pick back up or not? I don't know. So we're just going to kind of focus day by day. And so if I could sum it all up for you, if I could sum up what Stoicism says, I would say this. Stoicism says contentment is based on your strength, and that's the key, your strength to overcome the perception of pain and the pursuit of of good. Let me say that again. Stoicism says contentment is based on your strength to overcome the perception of pain and the pursuit of good. If you can, in your strength, if you can convince yourself things are going to be okay, if you can rise above, and then if you can pursue good in the midst of it, then you're going to be able to find some, so like if you said, that zen, that karma, that, uh, that uh, new agey, just sort of make sure it's all uh, good, this contentment that he's talking about. And so here's a, here's a great quote from Marcus Aurelius. Again, right in the, we're talking right as all of this is going down in the first century. Marcus Aurelius was a little bit later on, but he learned from these guys. And this is what he said. He says, you have power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you'll find strength. You will have strength because you have the power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you'll find strength. This was the predominant philosophical idea in Paul's day. This was the philosophical prominent way that we learned how to be happy in the first century. The Philippian uh, people living there, that that church, that was the major way people were trying to understand how do you find contentment uh, in this world. And what we're going to discover is that Paul is going to redirect that. Paul's going to say, no, 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 it's not your strength. You can't do it on your own. He's going to turn to something else. And this is really the backdrop 
to one of the most quoted uh, Bible verses in all of Scripture, that classic Philippians 4.13. So, Milo, uh, kind of with that backdrop, take us through uh, this passage and why it, that, it's a shocking verse in light, in light of Stoicism. Yeah, so let's, let's take a look at this verse, Philippians 4.13. Uh, you're probably familiar with it. You've heard it even if you haven't grown up in the church uh, or if you've not been on the Bible app every day of this uh, coronavirus. You, you know this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, when we look at the, the different things that you just listed off, uh, that virtue is only good or do good or, or, or clap for uh, people when they're coming out of the hospitals or all of these things in and of themselves are good things. And so the Apostle Paul is, is creating a divide between uh, what is a good thing and what is the source of all good things. Um, as we were talking about the idea of, of he who gives me strength is, is where this passage is going uh, the strength the Apostle Paul found, I was reminded that in high school I was on the wrestling team and, and I literally had the shirt, and many of you probably did if you're on a sports team, on the back it said, pain is weakness leaving the body. This is the idea that you, you can just put your mind over matter, that, that, that pain is only uh, something that you can get your, your yeah. head over, yeah. right, and get, get that. And then interestingly enough, then this is a Greco-Roman thought. There is a Greco-Roman style of wrestling um, that is different than what most of us in high school wrestled, what's called folk style. But Greco-Roman wrestling uh, goes back to this first century time period. And in, in that Greco-Roman wrestling, it's all about big strength moves. Hmm. And so all, it, it, all the throws are really high and all of the, it's just all this effort to demonstrate great strength where sometimes uh, in more of a folk style wrestling setup that you would be more about uh, keeping the other person from being able to show their strength in some ways. So it's, uh, you know, the bigger, the stronger, the better. But the reality is, is if we're going to look at this passage and try to, try to make that really uh, small and yet enormous chasm between the idea of that the strength comes from within us versus the strength coming from Christ alone, I think we have to look at this word contentment and consider what contentment is. First of all, let's talk about, just for a second, where, where we see discontentment. Because we see discontentment everywhere that we look. Mm -hmm. We don't think about that as often, mm -hmm. uh, but when you consider it, uh, we are a very discontented people. Uh, there's always a better job out there. There's always a better house that we could have. There's always a better yard. There's always a better neighborhood. There's always a better school district that our kids could be going to. And as we look at some of the comments that you guys are sharing back with us is the realization of we, we actually want some things that are better for us, but is it because we are looking inside ourselves for strength that we don't have, and so then we start looking everywhere else for uh, contentment everywhere else? Uh, discontentment is all around us, and the Apostle Paul keeps reminding us that we must come back to Christ. So first you'll have, instead of contentment, you'll have discontentment. But then the other side of that pendulum will swing and you'll also have complacency instead of contentment. Where we say, well, I'm just going to have to work this job the rest of my life and that's just the way that it's going to be. Or I'm just going to be single the rest of my life and that's the way that it's going to be. Or I'm just going to never get out of debt. I've created a mountain of debt that I'll never be able to come across. And so you become complacent. And that is also misunderstanding where the source of strength mm -hmm. is. Because ultimately that means that your strength has run out in and of your own power. So here's what we have to understand. When it comes to uh, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, through Christ who strengthens me, is that he is the source 
He is the well that you can drop the bucket in and it's just going to keep drawing water more and more and more and more. In John chapter 4, Christ talks to the woman at the well and he says, I will give you living water and you will never thirst again. And so at the beginning of this book of Philippians, as we begin to open it in chapter 1, verse 6, we read that he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it in you. Mm-hmm. Meaning that it's not coming from you. He is working in me. He is working in you. Yeah. He is working in each of you. That that's the difference between uh, having this stoic idea that I can better myself compared to the idea that Christ is the one working in me. Then at the end of this passage, as we get to the end of this book uh, and in the end of this week, we'll see in verse 19, and I know we'll get there in just a moment, but we are reminded that my God will supply all of your needs. So first we have to understand that we have to submit to him because he is working in us. And then we have to realize that we must go to him because he is our supply and our supplier. But we didn't get there immediately. Uh, Many of you have been walking this Christian life for many, many years, many more than I have. And you are still learning in the process of what it looks like uh, for Christ to be your source of strength rather than going back to Uh, the old habits of looking in yourself for strength. And actually what we find here with the Apostle Paul is that he also was learning this process. Mm -hmm. It didn't come very natural Mm -hmm. to him either. We we see in verse 10, I learned to be content. Yeah. And, uh, and, and some of you are writing and you're, 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 you're there. uh, I see because one of the pushbacks is, but these things are good, right? Like focusing on the good and the virtuous, like wouldn't it, don't Christians do that? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Or taking it day by day sometimes is a very good strategy. It's to say, I'm not going to worry about, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of itself. That's Jesus himself. So what, 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 what's the difference? And uh, some of you have said correctly, you've identified the, 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 cha- the difference is, is we don't rely on those things for our contentment that the source of our strength is Christ. Remember, uh, Stoicism says the source of your strength is you. And so if you focus on the good and you rise above in your mind, then, then you will find contentment. Christianity says the opposite. No, no, no. Your willpower will not last. Like, you will just, you will keep, um, you'll keep spinning your tires. Your contentment will only last as long as your willpower in a, Stoic, in a true Stoic thought. The source is, is, is Christ's strength. And if Christ gives you strength, then out of response to the contentment you already have, you can do good things and you should pursue virtuous things. And we're going to talk about presence projects here in a while, things that we're doing to do be virtuous, to do good in our community. But it isn't as a way to cope with COVID-19. It's a way to respond to it because of the contentment we have in Jesus. That's, that's the distinction. It's really important. But like Milo was saying, uh, this is not something that comes naturally to us. This, is not, this does not come easy. And as, as we said in Philippians 4.10, I have learned to be content, right? He's recognizing that I have learned to be content. This doesn't just come. This doesn't just uh, get zapped into our brains. This comes, uh, and the only reason, a way you can learn to be content is to go through it, is to experience it, is to experience uh, uh, having plenty and to experience having a, a not, not uh, having a need. And so he goes on to say this, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty, right? He's saying, I've experienced both, and through this process, and again, he's writing from, a, from, a, from, a, from home house arrest, he's in his home contained, he's saying, I know what, I, I have learned what is content because I've experienced both. Uh, experience really is what helps build and develop 
uh, 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 develop contentment. So here's a little something I, I want you to remember. Uh, contentment depends on Jesus. That's what we've talked about. It's not a stoic idea that, that, that it depends on you and your strength and your willpower with coping mechanisms. But contentment depends on Jesus, but it's developed by experience. This is something that you experience, you learn to grow in your contentment as you learn to grow in your trust and dependency on Jesus' strength, not your own strength. It doesn't matter how many good things you've done. It doesn't matter how mind you've raised above, how, how, you, how, how much zen you have. It doesn't matter that. It will only last as long as your willpower will allow it to. And so true contentment uh, in Christ is learning in the need and in the plenty, learning what contentment means in both. It only comes through experience. So contentment depends on Jesus, but it's developed by, uh, by experience. And so one thing I'd, I want to uh, uh, challenge you or encourage you to is not to let this season, this very weird, bizarre, uh, unprecedented season, don't let this go to waste in terms of using it in order to help learn what contentment means. And I don't mean using stoic principles. I mean trusting your shepherd. We talked about this in our small group on Wednesday. Trusting your shepherd that he will lead you to the next tuft of grass in this season, whether you're out of work, whether you're in healthcare and you're scared about this COVID thing, whether uh, everything's been canceled in your life. What does it mean to ponder, to spend the time that you have been given to say, God, I want to learn more about what it means to be content in you. And the only way I do that is in seasons of, of, of plenty, which I feel like we've had for years here in this country. And now, almost to a, a halt, now we're in a time of need. And this is a time that you can begin to learn and develop more what it means to have full trust and dependency and contentment in Christ. So I just encourage you, uh, this is something we're doing as a family. We're learning what does it mean if we have to lose that? We, we've been processing that. What, what does it mean if God's going to ask us in this season to give this up? What, about, what if he means he's going to give us? Well, we've already had to give up a few things, some vacation stuff that we've been really looking forward to. I know you've, you had to cancel a vacation, right? Uh, there are uh, people that uh, are not exactly sure where the next paycheck are coming from. There are people right now that doesn't know if their business is going to last. There are people that are uh, anxious. And so what it does is it allows us to say, God, Contentment comes when I place more of my dependency and, and more of my uh, desires in your strength and give up trying to, to find contentment in my own strength. Give up trying to just do enough good things to make myself feel better or do enough things to just rise above mentally or to uh, mentally separate or just take it day by day. Those things won't last. I, let me, friends, they will not last. You, you can do it for a while. Your willpower will, let, will, will, will bring in your strength for these things for a little bit. But at some point, you need something beyond yourself. And this is what Christianity says. This is what Paul says. I can do all things now through him who gives me strength, not you. We are bombarded, and this is something to remember. We are bombarded with repackaged stoicism. Every day when you look at the news, when you're on social media, you will be bombarded with repackaged stoicism as a coping mechanism for self-medication in order to self-medicate. Every single day, 
you will be bombarded with repackaged stoicism that says you can, if you rise above, if you do enough good, if you focus on the good, if you take it day by day, you'll get through this. Friends, it won't last and it won't satisfy. Your strength is in Christ. You don't have to do this. Stoicism disguises the problem. Jesus deals with it on the cross because Jesus deals with COVID-19 on the cross mm -hmm. because he knows that this is not going to win in the end. My, my daughter, we were having a conversation last night in bed and she asked me, she said, Dad, is this thing ever going to, is this going to take us all? Is this thing going to do everything? And I said, hey, Mia, um, you know when we watch Disney movies and we've watched plenty of Disney movies, right? And we say, you know when, you know when you're watching a, a movie uh, that we've seen before, right? And there's a bad guy and there's a good guy. And the bad guy wins for a little while. But at the end, who wins? And she says, the good guy wins. And I said, that's right. The, the good guy wins in the end. COVID has a place right now. It's winning today, but it won't win in the end. And the cross deals with it. Stoicism disguises it and tries to pretend like it's not there. Jesus says on the cross, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to deal with your sin and the sin that causes our world to fail, including COVID-19. COVID-19 is here because our world is fallen. And so fallen things happen. But Jesus on the cross dealt with that. He dealt with your sin. He dealt with my sin. He dealt with the collective sins of our world. He dealt with the sin that's rooted in the foundation of our world right now. Stoicism disguises that and says we'll make it through if we can just uh, think differently. Christianity says we're going to deal with it because in the end, Jesus wins. Yeah. Jesus wins. So let's talk about that for a second because... Uh, as, as you were kind of making those points there, I asked the question, we can look at, so to give you a little bit of advance there, um, to be able to say, what is the source mm -hmm. of our strength? Like, let, let's just get down to the, yeah. to the bottom line to say, like, because if stoicism is going to disguise the problem, um, then let's talk about where the source of the strength is really going to come from. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the case, if we're really going to dig in there, um, I, I'm going to use the analogy, if some of you have ever been in a vehicle that's a hybrid vehicle, uh, you actually have in your dash, uh, you, you have the ability to see where the power source is coming from. Uh, and you can see while you're driving. I know I've ridden along with Cliff Miller. He's very proud of his hybrid vehicle that you've got. Uh, for a while, you'll be driving along on gasoline power, and you'll see it switch over and say, okay, now it's running off of a battery power. The vehicle is still moving forward either way, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, where's the source of that power coming from? And when we see from, from Jesus in John 4, he says, I have this, this living water that is so deep that the source will never run dry. Mm -hmm. And so in that, if, if we think of that using that analogy, is that there is a power source that is not going to run out, that is not going to <laughs> fail. And we keep kind of switching back and forth yeah, between yeah. the two. So ultimately, as we're asking you to respond to here, mm -hmm. of the source of your strength, or, or yeah. what are some ways that you are demonstrating and showing that Christ is the source of your strength. Mm -hmm. Like, what are some ways that people are responding to that to say, this is the way that God is the source of my strength rather than my own? Because we can try to live in the moment. Uh, we can see how that 
that, that works for us. That's, yeah. that's not, yeah. What do you Yeah, have? well, uh, Jackie uh, mentioned, she says that uh, it's also a noticeable difference. If my eyes are on him and, and not, uh, or not, muddy paths will still have flowers along the borders. God gives us little lights on our path, reminding us he's still there. But it is really easy to miss them and just pay attention uh, to the mud, right? And so, yeah, there's the, God is, this is, God is an act of God. Jesus is not a power source somewhere in the sky that doesn't interact with his people. And so, yes, uh, as we're tapping in to the shepherd, as we're tapping into the source of our strength, which is Christ, we will begin to see ways in which he's moving. Our eyes are sort of that Romans 12, uh, renew, our minds are renewed. We'll be able to see ways that God is moving and working uh, to, to, hold us, to hold us together, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, your wife Molly says, the more we know Jesus and let his word shape us, we have the mind of Christ and everything we do, the plans that we make, and the way that we think. Hmm. She's so smart. She is pretty smart, <laughs> right? Like, that was deep. Like, uh, yes. We have the mind of Christ, everything we do, the plans that we make, uh, the way that we think. And that's so true. Yeah. Um, and, and this realization that it's not coming out of me. Right. It's not your willpower to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and or another question we'd love to hear from you is, um, where might you be te- may, where might you be tempted to uh, to base uh, this uh, strength out of it, out of you, which is your own soul? Like, where have we seen? Where have you seen it in the news? Where have you seen it on your social media platforms? Where have you seen it just in talking six feet apart? Of course, but if you're walking down the side of the road with someone else and you get into a conversation, like. Where are those things where we're tempted to move towards those stoic ideas yeah. of it comes from me? I, I gave you a few, some things on the news, things like that. But yeah. if you've seen this, and, and again, it's tempting because these things aren't bad, right? But they are in response to the contentment we have. They're not the source of the contentment. And that's the major uh, difference. That's the major thing we need to recognize. We're, we're not saying don't do good stuff, nope. right? We're going to talk about this at all. But it's always, in a, to, it's always in a response to the salvation and the source of strength we've been given in Christ. It's not a disguise uh, to disguise uh, the bad stuff that's happening in order to feel contentment. So if you've got examples, we'd love to hear about it. Where have you run into this temptation to rely on those things instead of rely on Jesus uh, and then use those things as a response? So we'd love to hear from you uh, on, on that. Um, Kathy Gardner says, so many things, even in the last few days, have illuminated for me where he is guiding me and my family. Yeah. Truly amazing. And that's true. Like In these times, all of a sudden, when everything gets quiet, we can hear the shepherd's voice more, yeah. right? When, when, when all, everything gets stripped away and you can ponder these things, it'd be amazing when God goes, I've been trying to talk to you for a long time and the noise of the world uh, blotted it out, drowned it out. And, and I hope, yeah, that as you use this time, don't let it, uh, don't let it uh, 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 pass you by. Find uh, that time that you've been given to dive deep into his word and dive deep into the idea that he is the source of your strength. He's the shepherd that will lead you from tough to tough of grass and, 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 and care for you throughout this time. Please don't, uh, don't let this one go to waste, for yeah. sure. I think there's also, on, on the other side, with this COVID-19, the stuff that we're dealing with, uh, there are times where we can begin to pat ourselves on the back and say, well, I have done a better job of being clean and or more restrictive than you have, or mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, I've set social distancing at a higher 
uh, parameter than you have. We even see this between different states in our country. Like, we've done a better job than you have, and therefore we're better off than you are. And there is this kind of stoic attitude mm -hmm. of, I'm responding to the same crisis you are, but I'm doing so in a healthier way, and therefore I'm doing better. Yeah. And yet this virus mm -hmm. fights against that and says, <laughs> yeah. I don't care what precautions you've made. Right. Right? Right. And so what will you do when you do get mm -hmm. sick? You know, mm -hmm. what will you do when your contentment is messed with in, in that sense? Yeah. And so um, in the same way where we find our, uh, you know, that our resolve and our, our, our ability to just take a stand sometimes is where we find our contentment. Even that is being kind of broken down mm -hmm. in the middle of this. Yeah. And so we must be reminded again and again. Uh, as believers, and if you don't know Christ, we're inviting you in to be able to say, we, we know that you're white-knuckling your way through this, <laughs> yeah. as we are when we forget yes. to give it back to Christ, yes. that he is in control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, your smart wife, she says, <laughs> this is uh, truly a time to develop or learn to lean on the source. Yeah. And that's, a, that's absolutely it. Lean on this. I love that, that uh, idea. It's leaning on uh, the source, because you can't hold yourself up forever. You might be able to use these stoic principles to hold yourself up for a little bit, uh, but eventually you got to lean on something else or you're going to fall. And uh, uh, I, I agree with that totally. Yeah. And so as, we, uh, as we've talked about that Jesus is going to win, that Jesus deals with that, we're going to take some time now to actually demonstrate that uh, through uh, an ancient practice that Jesus himself uh, told us to do to remember this, and that's communion. So if you have your communion elements, if you've got them uh, ready to go, grab those, start passing those out. Communion is our chance to come together, uh, whether it's a person or right now in a virtual, uh, virtual space, and to say, Jesus is going to win. Jesus is bigger and more powerful than COVID-19. And on the cross, he deals with our individual sins and he deals with the collective sins of the world. Even the sins that are built into the foundation of this world. So when we see hurricanes, uh, when we see tsunamis and earthquakes, when we see pandemics, these are not what the original world was intended for. And so Christ on the cross deals with all of those things and says, I am going to win in the end. And so we take our juice and we take our cracker. Uh, today for us, it's apple juice and some Ritz. I, I don't know what it is going to be for you uh, this morning, but together we're going to do that. And one thing I also wanted to point out is uh, communion really is supposed to be something we do together. It's supposed to be a communion. It's a communion of people coming together to do this. So when we do it here, uh, no one is here. We're looking at a blank uh, uh, auditorium right now. And so it, it feels a little weird uh, to be doing communion uh, by ourselves. Um, and hopefully uh, uh, that might feel a little weird to you as well. But th there's some words here. I, I want to tell you a, just a quick story from the Bible of a time where they also were in a time where they wanted to recognize God. For them, it was the, in the Old Testament, it was the Passover. And so our Passover is sort of the foundation that grows out of communion. So when they're taking the Passover, it's really the same type of idea is wanting to recognize and remember the God that is the source of their strength. There's actually a moment in the Bible in which this, uh, something similar, not, not, a, not a, a pandemic, but something similar where they couldn't take uh, the Passover in the right way. It comes from 2 Chronicles 30. Uh, this is uh, uh, the story of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the great uh, godly kings uh, in Israel. 
he had a dad that was very wicked, Ahaz. Ahaz was a super wicked king, and so he had defiled all of the temple. He had defiled all of the priesthood. He had, he had made it so that uh, godly worship was not going to happen at all. And so when Hezekiah comes in, he reforms it all. He brings the temple back. He cleanses the temple. He cleanses the priesthood. He gets it all back, but he runs out of time. And it, it comes Passover time, and they're not ready yet in order to do the Passover, and so they delay it a month. It's supposed to be on the 14th day of the first month. They end up deciding, we're going to do it on the 14th day of the second month. It says it here on your screen. Hezekiah sent word to all of Israel and Judah, inviting them to come to the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. The king and his officials and the whole assembly in Jerusalem decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month, they had not been able to celebrate it at their regular time. And so here we find, again, it's not exactly the way that uh, it, they're used to doing it. And God had commanded, do it on the first of the month. And they said, well, we can't do that. We're not ready to do that. So they pushed it off until the second month. So they, they, they do the, the, the Passover. And even when they do the Passover in the second month, not all the people are, are ceremonial clean, ceremonially clean. Uh, in the old, the old Testament, you were supposed to do all these rituals and all this stuff in order to get yourself clean and to follow the rules, and they, they couldn't. And so it says this a little later in Second, uh, in Second Chronicles. It says this, Although most of the people who came had not purified themselves, yet they ate the Passover. They did it anyway, even though they weren't doing it exactly what they were supposed to, contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the Lord, who is good, pardon everyone who sets their heart on seeking God, even if they are not clean according to the rules of the sanctuary. And the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. So friends, I love this story because it, what it says is that we, we do want to follow the rules. And there's a, there's a lot of rules with communion that aren't necessarily, there's a lot of tradition versus rules and things like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, the, the spirit of communion is that we're all together, we're doing it together, and this is the way God had designed it. But we see in this story, God recognizes that there are circumstances that happen in which we can't do it exactly the way God maybe had intended it to be. And when that happens, the heart of the matter is what's important, right? God said that he saw the heart. Their hearts were set on him. They were set on honoring him. And so even though they couldn't do it perfectly, even though they couldn't do it based on what was written or the rules of the sanctuary, they did it and God blessed them and healed them. And that, that's just, I love, that, I love that, uh, that portion. So that's really the spirit of why we're doing communion today, even though we can't all be here together. And, and today is Palm Sunday. Uh, I just actually sent a link out one more time to you. If you have not seen some of the materials that our kids uh, workers are putting out, the Stephanie and Children's Ministry are just doing a great job of that. Uh, but on Palm Sunday, this, this Holy Week is actually where we get the outline for where we participate in communion each week. Um, but you should watch that video afterwards. They put it together a video uh, and, and just uh, they walk through this sanctuary, this empty room, and, and they're waving palm branches as they're celebrating Palm Sunday. But there's only two of them doing it because uh, things are, are very different right now. And as, as Brian is talking about, things are vastly different than what we would anticipate and what we've gotten accustomed to and used to. And yet, God can use this time. We can still be in common union, in communion with one another, where two or three are gathered together, whether that's virtually or whether that's in the same room. We can worship together. 
And so you need to know that not only about today being Palm Sunday, a day that we celebrate uh, Jesus entering Jerusalem, but there's many other things this week uh, that are part of what are traditionally we would know as Holy Week, which uh, on Monday, Thursday is a service that many churches will celebrate where uh, we wash one another's feet, where we uh, have a supper meal together. Good Friday is a service that we have had here for many, many mm-hmm. years, uh, and, and we're not going to be able to have that this week. Um, and, and why uh, would we assume that that's the only way that Good Friday could be celebrated? Uh, many churches will celebrate Holy Saturday or, or the coming of Easter being the next day. And, and, and can we still do that even though that we're only meeting virtually together? The answer is yes. Uh, when, when, when we gather together in spirit and in truth, uh, Christ is present. And then certainly Resurrection Sunday that's coming as well, But before we get there, let's talk about what communion is and let's talk about uh, how we are to share that together, even if it is with apple juice <laughs> and Ritz crackers. Yeah. And so Jesus is, uh, um, we think, at a Passover meal when he institutes this. And so uh, what he says is to remember. Remember that uh, through the bread, which is his body, and through the cup, which is his blood, remember the sacrifice that we're going to be making. And remember that we're going to eat of this again someday in heaven. So that even though we are separated right now, part of the reason we, we often or we should be doing this together most of the time, uh, the spirit of it, is that it's a foretaste, it's a look forward to when we eat of it anew, as Jesus says, uh, in the resurrection time in heaven together. So even though you are uh, in your homes right now and you're taking it uh, either individually or, or with a small group of people of your family, um, remember that someday when Jesus wins, there will be no more COVID-19. There will be no more separation. There will be no more quarantine. We'll be together again uh, uh, in his resurrected glory, and we're looking forward to that. So let's remember this now. So on the night in which he was betrayed, uh, Jesus took bread and he broke it. So take your element now. He broke it and gave thanks to it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat all of you. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you will now join me as we take communion together. And then in Matthew 26, I'll read this to you. He says this, And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and offered to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the, goodness, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you, with you, friends, when we drink it together in my Father's kingdom. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters all around uh, the region here and those who are watching even from a further distance. Lord, we are grateful that we get to, in some sense, be together here this morning. And so, Lord, as we all collectively in our homes uh, just took the elements Um, may you see our hearts in it. May you see that we seek you and you recognize our prayer that, God, we are doing this not because it's the best and most perfect way to do it, but see our hearts in it so that you might heal us. Heal us anew. Heal our souls anew. 
And God, we want to make sure that we are leaning on you as the source of our strength. Not leaning on ourselves, not leaning on our strengths, not leaning on our willpower, not leaning on the, the ways of the world that say you can do it, be good, um, try to rise above, God. We're tired and we're ready to lean on you. We're weary and we want to lean on you. So Lord, as we take this bread and this cup, we remember that you win, that you win and that the cross deals with this problem, deals with our problem, deals with our collective problem. And someday we will be able to take these elements anew together in your Father's kingdom. We look forward to that day. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for participating with us in this. I know this is a, a different way to, uh, to uh, partake in communion together. Uh, normally we have the offering plates that go up and back and th those type of things, but there's a lot of things that are different right now. So as a matter of announcements, as we kind of carry through what a normal week is beginning to look like during uh, this, this uh, season, uh, it starts out each week, Monday evenings. We have a virtual group uh, that's here on Facebook Live uh, with Aaron and I at our kitchen table. That's on Monday evenings. Uh, Tuesday afternoons, you'll see Mario and his wife, Denise. Uh, they're working with our students and, and doing some really goofy things and some fun things. So that's Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Uh, so particularly if you have one of your kids uh, in that age group, uh, we want you to check in there. We also, specifically with that group, we're trying to get you to subscribe uh, to the YouTube page with 50 subscribers. Mario's going to do something really crazy. And so uh, we're, we're working on that. And uh, when he does that, uh, he's, he's giving me a thumbs up from the booth. He's ready. He's amped and he's ready to do something like you've never seen before. Uh, on Wednesday, you come back, uh, Brian uh, and his wife Molly from their kitchen table will be leading a virtual group Wednesday night at 8.30. Uh, and then uh, Friday, uh, you get, for, oh, excuse me, Thursday night, we have our groups uh, that meet Thursday evenings. Uh, I really enjoyed our time uh, with our boys uh, group that, that got together and having a bunch of uh, kindergarten and first grade boys trying to all talk at the same time <laughs> on a Zoom call is a very interesting thing. Uh, but that's working, and it's, it's good to feel connected to each other. Uh, as we said, uh, Friday is, our, is our, our night off. This is Good Friday uh, this week, and so uh, we want you to, to be thinking about some of those opportunities uh, to worship in, in a very unique way on that. So uh, from, from a family standpoint, we ask you to do something there. Uh, Saturday, you'll receive an email uh, from our children's ministry workers. Uh, uh, Stephanie will be sending out that email she does every week if you've got kids in the kids ministry if for some reason you're not getting those emails we know there's some of you who have not gotten those we want to make sure you get up there really some neat stuff to be able to involve your kids and then Sunday uh, this Sunday is Easter Sunday it's Resurrection Sunday and we'll be meeting in the same way that we are right now uh, we will tell you we have looked at a lot of different options of ways that we could gather. Uh, we started mm -hmm. looking to see if we could gather out in the ball field and set some space distance between us. And then we looked at an option of even doing a drive-in uh, theater type of uh, approach where we'd preach on the front steps and everyone would stay in their cars. Um, but ultimately, we've got enough medical personnel in our church to just say, hey, that's not a good idea. And, um, and so because of that, we're going to meet you again here in this venue, uh, right here online, and we'll, we're going to do our very best to uh, give you some, some tools to be able to worship in a, in a very special way uh, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, here online, and so we want to give you that. The other thing that we're doing each week that we are in this uh, virtual environment is we want to give you at least one presence project, we're calling it, some one thing each week that you can actively and tangibly do uh, to respond to this virus. We know there's needs out there. We know that uh, we can be involved in helping with that. So 
Brian, tell us yeah. what's the one thing that we're doing this week. Yeah, so each week, like he said, we have this presence project. This week we're focusing on food. Uh, there are a number of uh, different pantries and things that are uh, that definitely ha have a need. Uh, we have one, a small one. Uh, you can see the picture here. It looks pretty pathetic at this point. This was taken a few days uh, ago. Um, it's been getting filled uh, more since then, but this is what it started with. And so we want to pack this place out. We're currently registering our food pantry with the little free food pantry that's all around uh, our uh, town, all around the uh, country, really. So we're registering it so people know to come, uh, particularly as, uh, as the days and weeks go on. We know that uh, there's going to be a lot more need for this type of stuff. So we want to fill our pantry. Um, Alexis Langhire, who's the vice principal at Mill Middle School who goes to our church, uh, she alerted us that a, uh, the Williamsville School District has a pantry as they help kids who aren't coming to school now for free lunches and free breakfasts. There's a need for that now too. And so she's helping to, to build up their pantry as well. So if you're interested in, in doing that, Come by our church. Uh, uh, for Alexa, she needs it by tomorrow. So anytime tomorrow, if you come by our church and you go down to the glass double doors, which is our kids' ministry entrance, that first set of doors is always open. That'll be open 24 hours a day. That's where our pantry is. Um, you can come in anytime and drop it off. And then if you want uh, that to go towards the Williamsville pantry, the Williamsville School District pantry, just earmark that, and we'll be sure to get that to her um, at the right time. Um, or if you would like to just help stock our pantry so that we can let people know uh, that there's a need. This is just, again, one tangible way we respond to the source of our strength, right? We don't do this as a way to distract us and to mask and disguise the pain and the hardship and the uncertainty that's going on. We have found that in Christ, and now we respond because we have the source of our strength yep. and that contentment. So please do that. We'd love to stock that out. We'd love to show you pictures of just an absolute stocked out pantry that's going on in there. So yep. uh, while you're grocery shopping uh, once, hopefully this week, uh, grab, grab double of a bunch of stuff and just bring it here to the church. Yeah, we'd love to see that whole glass area you know, packed to the gills and uh, we'll be able to move it out from there to other uh, opportunities. And so uh, that's our presence project for the week, so we'd, we'd love to have you get a, to be a part of that. Uh, and then lastly, as, as your final way to respond, uh, we want to remind you to, uh, to give. So Sunday mornings uh, is also, uh, particularly the first Sunday of the month, is a week that we would have people standing in the back with offering plates to be able to give to our care fund. So both of those things are available online. We want you to know that. Uh, so if you go to give.randallchurch.org, uh, there will be a drop-down menu that says first general offering, uh, which is to, to anything and everything that we do here as a church. That's how we fund our missionaries. That's how we keep the lights on. Uh, that's how we do the programs and ministries of the church. But in that drop-down menu, you'll also see the line that says care fund. And that care fund is how we've already got a good stockpile to be able to respond when people uh, during this crisis mm -hmm. uh, are are not able to pay their rent or uh, not able to provide for the groceries. You've already given out some uh, grocery uh, cards for Wegmans and things like that to be able to do that. So give.randallchurch.org. And uh, as we wrote about in our email newsletter this week, uh, as you're going to be getting uh, funding from uh, the, the, the governmental uh, funding that's going to come into each of your homes, uh, we ask you to tithe on that as well. Uh, to be intentional about that, to say uh, when, when God has provided for you, he says in, in Philippians 4.19 that he will supply all of your needs, and he is using our government, uh, federal government, to be able to supply some of our needs here 
uh, we'll ask you, as, as we will as leadership of this church, to tithe on that income uh, so that we can also be able to use that as a source of, of income and to resource uh, what's going on here in the community. Uh, we thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing today. Uh, we're encouraged that you are uh, join us here on this online platform. Again, we're going to do all that we can to interact with you all week. Uh, but if nothing else, we'd love to see you uh, Monday night, Wednesday night, uh, for, for Brian and I to be able to interact with you there. Uh, there's nothing else that we've got for you this morning other than saying, uh, may you go in peace. Uh, grace and peace be with you today. And uh, in Jesus' name, we release you uh, to your day. So have a great day. God be with you. We'll see you later. Grace and peace.